Um, just a few minutes ago, Frick read some statistics about camp, about all of the thousands of individuals who have participated in camp this summer. Um, but I want to invite some people to stand and be recognized. So if you were a camper this summer, so you came to camp as a camper or a backcountry camper or a lifeguard or a family camper or a one, two, three Akita camper, will you please stand up? Nice. Yay. If you worked on staff this summer, so you either were on our summer staff or you worked here at the church, someone paid you <laughs> to help Camp Akita happen this summer, will you please stand up and be recognized as well? All right, if you volunteered in some way this summer, maybe you came down as a junior counselor during 123 Akita, or you helped out with our luggage truck, or you helped out here in check-in, if you volunteered in some way to help Camp Akita this summer, will you please stand up and be recognized? Okay, last one. If you are a family member of someone who went to Camp Akita this summer, maybe you are a parent or a grandparent, um, maybe someone you love in your life went to Camp Akita this summer, either as a camper or a staff member, will you please stand up and re be recognized? Thank you so much for each and every person who made Camp Akita possible. And I think it's those parents and grown-ups and family members who we don't often recognize. You are the ones who are putting so much faith and trust in these people to make sure that camp, um, your camper has a wonderful time. So I so appreciate uh, you making Camp Akita 2023 possible. All right, so as you know, every summer at Camp Akita, we choose a theme and we play games and we watch skits and we do activities that all kind of revolve around that theme. And this summer's theme, our 2023 theme, was Game On. It was a celebration of all different kinds of games, board games, card games, sports, and especially video games. What I came to like best about the theme Game On is that it's synonymous with the phrase challenge accepted. If someone invites you to a game of pickup basketball, for example, your response might be Game On. If they challenge you to share your musical talents on stage, you could say, game on. If someone offers you the opportunity to live at summer camp for three months with very late nights and very little sleep and very little pay and very hot days and very energetic children, and you say, game on, then you are a very rare and amazing person. In our Bible verse today that Violet read for us just a moment ago, there are two things happening in that verse, and I want to speak about them both today. The first is that Jesus thanks God for a type of wisdom that only children have. 
And the second is an invitation to those who are carrying heavy things. So first, I'm going to talk about the wisdom of children. I'm going to start by telling you about probably my favorite study I've ever heard of, and I know many of you have heard me talk about this before, but just in case there's like one person in here who hasn't heard me talk about this, I'm going to talk about it today. So there was a study done where a group of psychologists sat down with some adults, and they laid out a bunch of paper clips in front of them, and they asked the adults, how many uses can you think of for these paper clips? And the adults started naming uses like holding paper together, and resetting the fire alarm, and picking a lock. Mostly they named the ways that they had used paper clips before. So on average, the adults could name 10 to 15 uses for paper clips. And then the psychologists asked the same question, but this time they asked a group of kindergartners, how many uses can you think of for these paper clips? And the kindergartners came up with you ready for this? Adults were 10 to 15 uses. Kindergartners came up with over 200 uses for paper clips. Their answers were not limited by their own experience or logic or even the laws of physics. So their answers included things like if the paper clips were bigger and you lined them up next to each other, they could make a fence. And if you had one paperclip, but it was enormous, you could make a bridge out of it. This was a study of divergent thinking. Divergent thinking is our ability to challenge assumptions and create new ways of doing things. And this study found that 98% of the kindergartners they studied rated at a genius level for divergent thinking. Unfortunately, the study also concluded that as we age, our ability to exercise divergent thinking declines. By the time those kindergartners were in fifth grade, just five years later, only 50% of them rated at a genius level of divergent thinking. And that number dropped further and further the older they became. What this says to me is that we are born with the ability to look at something and behold it with wonder and joy and possibility. And yet the older we get, the more we lose that ability. We start putting objects in boxes. Paper clips are for this and this only. And I think we begin to do the same thing with people. We start by treating one another as precious and loved, and then one day, these people are like this and like this only. Those people are like that and like that only. In our scripture verse today, Jesus is telling his followers his frustrations with those in positions of power, those who are claiming to be wise and who are considered to be important, and yet they don't realize what's really important after all, because they are casting aside those who are in need of love and care the most. Jesus points out that there is a different kind of wisdom, a wisdom that God has only revealed to children. This summer, we welcomed a rising fifth-grade camper, and we're going to call him Ryan. It's not his real name. But Ryan was a little different from the other kids. Just in general, he was not interested in any of our camp activities. <laughs> During volleyball, Ryan opted to pick clovers in the field. When we sang campfire songs, Ryan would turn around backwards and look the other way. During skit night, Ryan chose to go stargaze. Ryan did not prefer to eat with his fellow campers in the dining hall and instead just helped himself to eating at the leadership table. 
And in general, Ryan had a tendency to wander off. He usually stayed within eyesight of the group, usually, but he was a wanderer. And so Ryan required pretty constant attention, and I'm not going to lie, he was a challenge. I witnessed our staff come together to support Ryan in a way I have never seen in my own 18 years at Camp Akita. I watched countless times as Ryan would get up and wander off, and counselors would wordlessly make eye contact with one another and sort of nod at each other, and they would take to indicate that they were going to go take their turn to hang out with Ryan. Without being asked, they stepped up to support Ryan's understandably exhausted counselors. Without being told, they recognized the full team effort that this camper required. And with their actions, they showed this kid that he was worthy of the extra effort and worthy to receive that little bit of extra love that he needed. One day, while Ryan and I were eating lunch together, as we did at many of his meals, I looked away from him, he was sitting on my left, and I looked away from him for a second to kind of look out at the rest of the dining hall. And at that moment, he came up beside me and put his arms around me. And he said, Sarah? And I said, yes. And he said, I hope you have a good day today. And in that moment, my heart melted into a puddle onto the floor. And also at the exact same time, I laughed because I knew that I would see Ryan just a hundred more times that day. <laughs> like, you are going to know how my day is going to go. <laughs> Ryan, you are my day. <laughs> but I said, thank you, Ryan. I hope you have a good day, too. In campers like Ryan, we remember that there is some wisdom that children have that we forget. That skits are fun, but so is stargazing. There is a time for singing together, and there is a time for wandering away. And that everyone is welcome at every table. And that with shared effort comes shared love. I think Ryan reminded us staff members of what we often forget, that the overwhelming joy and the extreme exhaustion, the heart-wrenching and the silly, they don't just belong in one box and one box only. They can happen all together, all at the same time. The other half of today's Bible verse is about carrying heavy things. When I think of carrying heavy things at camp, I think of the hikes that we take to Rock Stalls and to Bald Eagle, both of which include significant hills. This year, we added to the challenge. After decades of using and throwing away thousands, maybe millions, of single-use paper cups, we decided to stop providing them altogether and we told all the campers and counselors that water will still be available, but you need to bring your own water bottle. I am sure that you can imagine the top item that ended up in the lost and found this summer. <laughs> there were some cabins that came up with very beautiful systems for carrying things and keeping track of them, though. Some counselors came up with a strict carry-your-own-stuff rule, which I deeply respect. Before one hike to rock stalls, I was dismissing cabins kind of one by one to start hiking and checking to make sure that they had water bottles. And everybody was carrying their water bottles in their hand. But one cabin appeared to have zero water bottles. And so I asked, where are your water bottles? And they pointed to one camper who was wearing a backpack. And inside was all of his cabin mates' water bottles and on his face was a big, proud smile. 
but you and I both know that it's the counselors that carried the vast majority of the water bottles this summer, as well as the tarps and the 10-gallon water jugs, too. Our counselors do a fair amount of heavy lifting, both physically and metaphorically. On the last night of one of our seventh and eighth grade sessions, there was this huge storm, the kind where the booms of thunder are so loud that you feel it in your chest. The storm was set to just sort of hang out over Camp Akita all evening, so we unfortunately had to cancel our nighttime activities. At that time, camper, campers and counselors were already safe within their cabins, and so we sent members of the leadership team down cabin to cabin to check on everyone and encourage them to settle in for the night. Julia Lyle and I went down and we went cabin to cabin on the girls' side of the hill. And I was expecting to find campers that were feeling maybe restless, maybe fearful of the storm, um, maybe, and quite frankly, furious that the evening activities had been called off. But the vast majority of campers were already in their cozy pajamas. They were excited to see us because they wanted to share the names of the spiders that they had saved from the rain, <laughs> as well as, as the stories they were telling together. In cabin seven, counselors Gina and Marissa were having a full-blown crafting tutorial night where they were teaching their campers how to crochet. They were all sitting in a circle like a group of little grandmas crocheting together and then proudly showing off their like two lines of crochet. And the vibe when Julia and I came in was, yeah, um, thank you for being here and look at our crochet and now please kindly leave. <laughs> Get out of here, we want to continue crocheting. Once we got back up to the lodge, we met up in the nurse's office with Fred and Spencer, who had done the boys' cabin checks, and E.B., our nurse. And we were checking in with each other and making, you know, telling stories, everybody's okay in their cabins, all that. And that's when one of the boy counselors, Adam, burst through the door, he was soaking wet, and he said, hey, one of my kids just threw up inside the cabin. And he's, it's okay, it's fine, he's feeling a lot better. I'm just here to get a cold Gatorade for him um, and some cleaning supplies so that I can clean it up. And we were like, oh my gosh, like let's, we can help you with that, can we help you with that? And Adam was like, no, of course not, I got it. In our verse today, the author of Matthew writes that Jesus tells the crowd, come to me, all who are weary and who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Some interpret this verse to mean that if you just believe in Jesus, everything will be easy. In Jesus, life will feel light as a feather. But I don't think that that is what it's all about. What I take this verse to mean is that following in the footsteps of God means turning your ears away from the powerful and toward the least of these, toward the children and the other powerless, marginalized, or forgotten in our midst. Turn towards the ones who require a little extra effort and who need a little bit of extra love. Turning toward them will not make our backpacks lighter. It will actually make them heavier. But we will carry them with a purpose, like the camper who proudly carries all of his cabin mate's water bottles, like the counselor who runs up the stairs in the middle of the night in pouring rain, or the one who drops everything to stargaze with a child who's different from the rest, or the one who creates a safe place in the midst of a raging storm. To carry something for someone else will not be light work, but it will be meaningful work, 
It will be the kind of work that brings God's dream to life, a dream of a world in which all children are accepted and loved and made to feel worthy just as they are. We often talk about finding the Akita spirit at home, in our lives outside of camp. We brainstorm ideas together like playing camp songs on road trips or meeting up for lunch with your cabin mates, and those things help for sure. But I believe that to truly find the Akita spirit at home, we're called to ask ourselves, how can we carry something for someone else? How can we unburden those with lives made heavy by oppression or injustice? How can we be God's hands and feet for someone else the way we've already practiced while we were at Camp Akita? And to those challenges, I hope we choose to say, game on.